0: hello and welcome to the wabi sabi series podcast unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics i'm your host michelle cox a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about things like death grief not having kids and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us apparently some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us.
1: Advice I give to women all the time is: if somebody offers you an opportunity that you would normally not be offered as a woman, you've got to take it, and you have to do it on behalf of other women.
0: Marina Go is as dynamic as they come, such an impressive human, and it was just wonderful to reconnect with her once again. Marina is one busy lady. She's currently the chair of Netball Australia, Ovarian Cancer Australia the Walkley Foundation, and a non-executive director on the boards of Energy Australia, 7-Eleven, Autosports Group, Pro Pack, Adore Beauty, and Booktopia, and she was recently appointed to the board of Transurban, which is quite a significant organisation as well. So take a breath. (laughs) I don't know how she fits everything in, but luckily enough, she had time to come and speak to me today. She's a member of the UNSW's Business Advisory Council and ANU's Centre for Asian-Australian Leadership Advisory Board and author of a business book for women called Breakthrough 20 Success Strategies for Female Leaders. And in 2016, Boss Magazine named her as one of 20 true leaders. Quite a significant feat. Marina has over 30 years of leadership experience in the media industry, having started her career as a journo. Her media exec roles are extensive, and she was also the former chair of the West Tigers NRL Club, which is something we're going to get a little bit more into today. Marina has been actively progressing equitable outcomes for women and culturally diverse Australians in her working life and as a volunteer for more than three decades. If you can't tell, you're about to hear from one incredibly impressive woman, our conversation will be real, authentic and interesting as Marina is, she's just had one phenomenal career and I kind of get the sense she's only getting started. But what I hope you also hear is that she is a really, really lovely person, genuine, articulate about her values and such an advocate for women. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today, Marina. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I think we really need to have a
1: conversation about targets for women's leadership in male sports codes. I think, you know, they definitely need more women there to deal with some of the behaviours, players, but also... Uh,
0: just general cultural issues amazing what a meaty fabulous topic i love it so why on earth would you like to talk about this topic as such it seems something that's close to your heart
1: yeah well i've had an experience as a chair of a male sports board so i chaired the west tigers nrl club for about four and a half years and it was a really interesting experience people ask me about this all the time and i will often say it is At the same time the worst thing i've ever done and the best thing i've ever done for different reasons obviously but i really do feel that um you know women involved in sports codes in a leadership capacity can make a difference but you need to be included so a lot needs to change before women will be able to
0: succeed in sports codes so Yeah, I feel like we need to talk about that. Mm. Oh, Amazing. And, I mean, interesting that you say it was one of the best things and the worst things, like in terms of the challenge. So what was it about, can we get into the media stuff first, what was it that was so challenging for you and why it was one of the worst experiences in some ways?
1: Uh, It was challenging because the media in particular, so there were various aspects of the media, particularly rugby league journalism, I guess, that were challenged, I guess, by the notion of having a female Uh, chair of a rugby league club you know before before my team had even lost under my leadership there were various elements of the media that were calling for my sacking which was really quite extraordinary. Wow how
0: long had you been in the role when that happened?
1: There was one game left of the previous season and we won that game and then we had an off season so you know you have about three months off season and then you start training again pre-season we won both pre-season games and then you start your season, and we we won the first two games of the season. And I'll never forget that at the end of the second week, um, and we'd won every game, right? So honestly, I'm not joking. It's, it's not a, not a usual thing for my team, but we had actually won every game until that point. But there was already media calling for my sacking, which I thought was quite extraordinary. It's the undertone of the culture. So they were writing those stories because there's a you know there's a whole system of people using the media to get what they want. So there were people within the sport is really what I'm saying who were using the media to try and intimidate me and get rid of me.
0: Were you the first chair, like female chair of a
1: a NRL club? No, I was the second by about two months, I believe. So while I was the chair of the West Tigers, there was another female chair of the Titans in Queensland. The Queensland media seems to embrace... (laughs) It was the New South Wales media that was very challenged, I think, by having women in a leadership position in this sport. And I suspect that they didn't really want to have, you know, more women infiltrating the ranks, I guess. Mm -hmm.
0: So it was a really interesting time. I've come from media and so yeah i was thinking you'd know it better than most right you'd understand how it works and what their motives are and
1: yeah so i'm i was you know it's fine but i've got sons and they were teenagers and my youngest was a fan of the club that you know i was chairing and i think the hardest thing is for was for him to be reading constantly this stuff about his mum, and you know alan jones called for my sacking it was like you know the, the treatment that he has given a lot of female leaders well you know I got that too.
0: And do you know why though? Why Marina? What's the What's the deal there?
1: I don't know. I mean, the you know, Alan Jones. I guess when he was calling for my sacking, he was saying, "What would this woman know about rugby league?" And so there it is. How else do you explain that comment? And so all I could do was just try and ignore that and just get on. You know, you you have to you've got to make a decision that you're there to do a role. You're there to make a difference and i was determined to do so and the club when i joined was in all sorts of financial difficulty and i had a very good board at the start and we we worked really really hard at um making sure that we got that club to financial stability and just before i left we made our first profit so I was really delighted so it
0: happened so I felt like I did what you know I was really rewarded yeah, by that you left the business better than you know when you started which is the aim isn't it yeah
1: and the yeah. interesting thing so so it was difficult for me because I was just having to be confronted by this you know media calling me non-stop 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 kind of harassing but at the same time the business media were really complimentary and they were writing Fantastic stories. And in fact, in 2016, Boss Magazine, I don't know if they still do this, but every year they were doing this 20 true leaders list. And I think it may have been the same year that Alan Joyce had really started to advocate for marriage equality. And so I found myself on a leaders list with him as one of the 20 true leaders. You know, so that actually was a really positive experience for me because they're acknowledging the business gains to that club and you know you don't do things alone as a chair obviously you've got a fantastic board you one of many but they appreciated the leadership at the time which was in stark contrast to, you know to the sports media but look it's just you know swings and roundabouts and I look back on those times fondly for that reason but also I just think I can't believe I put myself through that.
0: <laughs> mm, phenomenal I mean what an experience and is that your club like it do you is Is that why you chose? It's
1: my club now, but it certainly was my husband and my youngest son, it's their club. It's a joint venture club and, in fact, my husband's cousin used to play for one of the joint venture partners in in Balmain. And so he grew up, you know, a little boy, this was his club and then it became my youngest son's club. And so when I was approached by the NRL to interview for an independent opportunity, you know, a role as an independent director on one of the club boards, I didn't know which club it was. And my sons and my husband were telling me all the clubs that it couldn't be. So if it was any of those clubs, there's no way you're allowed to do that. (laughs) And so when I got to the interview, I was so delighted and also relieved that it was the West Tigers because I thought, okay, I can do this. And the reason that I was interested anyway is purely because I think there should be more female leaders (laughs) in male sports coats. It was a concept, which was where we started with this. And I think if you believe that, then you need to step in to something that you feel you can add value to, even if it isn't your
0: club. But thankfully... Or and it's uncomfortable, right? Like, you know, it would have been uncomfortable at the start. So you were going in as an NED or just a director, not not as a chair at that point, is that right?
1: Yeah, I was appointed as one of three independent directors because the club had experienced difficulty and then the NRL had to step in and say okay well we'll help you out but only if you will change your structure and we want three independents on the board and the chair needs to be independent and there was a requirement at the time that one of the three positions would be a female. Thankfully they selected two females which was wonderful because it's great to have somebody there with you on the board in that environment that you can work with to support each other and make sure that you know each woman is heard so we did a little mm. bit of that where if somebody tried to speak over the top of me rosemary would say oh, hold on a minute you know <laughs> or if that happened to rosemary or or if indeed as we know happens if we'd made a comment and it wasn't nobody heard it and then suddenly somebody said the same comment and everybody thought it was a genius idea. Please don't (laughs) start
0: on this topic. You and I will go off on a tangent. You would have seen um, Annabelle Crabb's show. um, What's it called? Uh, The Misrepresented. And all the politicians were talking about how that happens in, in parliament stuff. I'm like, no, this has been happening to me for 20 years in corporate. Tell me it doesn't happen there as well. So, you know, the fact that it's Oh, around the board table. How frustrating. Anyway, we're not getting on that little bandwagon because we'd talk on that for a while. But um, oh, that's fabulous. So you had two. And then so someone had to be appointed as a chair and you got chosen. Is that you were the nominated person or did you start as a director for a little while and then became the chair?
1: No, I wish that I could say it was it was the latter, but we had our first board meeting and the first point of business was to appoint a chair. And I think everybody else pushed me forward. (laughs) So somebody had said, I think Marina should be the chair, and I was really quite shocked because I think I went in there, probably as the only one of the new directors who who wasn't keen to be the chair. But then, you know, as I was thinking, oh, God, I don't know if I can do this, should I do this? I just thought, you know, the advice I give to women all the time is – if somebody offers you an opportunity that you would normally not be offered as a woman, you've got to take it and you have to do it on behalf of other women. Good advice. That's a great piece. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to have to dive into this, even though this is the most uncomfortable thing that I can even imagine. And so I said, yep, I'll do it. And then I just had to work out how from there, but look, I've shared other things. And I think if you, it was really only that it was a rugby league club and I had to put that behind me and just say look this is a business this is an organization that has a product the product is the playing group that's what we do and I've got to think about it like that and not be intimidated by some of the characters who come from footy land and say you know we've been in this sport for a long time what what would you know I've just you know I've got to focus on what the business of the board was and once I did that it was fine and women are good at that we're good at ensuring that we stay on task and that, that people are held accountable and we're actually pretty good at making tough decisions that are unemotional
0: <laughs> and and not you know throwing our heads in the sand my experience is a lot of men that you expect would stand up to the plate and be tougher most of the women around the table are the ones that actually do make those tough decisions it's the the guys that literally run away from it and don't want the conflict it's fascinating you kind of going to go come on let's we've got to make a decision here let's do it together if you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. I want to dig a bit on this concept, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head around, you know, how can you be a decision maker in a sport that you haven't played or can't play or whatever. And I think, you know, there's there's been a lot of commentary, ironically, around female commentators in sports that you know they can't like whether it's afl or rugby that now it's getting more and more acceptable but the thing i used to always say to people is most of the men commentators like you talk about media and stuff all the men on a board, have never bloody played the sport either you know, they might just be good at a commentator and it doesn't mean that they, you know, some of them are ex-athletes, et cetera. Amazing. But most of those aren't particularly great. Well, they're not as good as in terms of commentators or especially in the business side. And so I think, how do we get around that? Cause I think that's the key element. And the second part to that, when you were talking about it was, I just think about in the last couple of months, I've joined a new board that's in a completely different industry to me. And I've had multiple conversations with the chair who's been incredibly supportive. And he just, I said, Oh, look, why do you want me for the board? Um, It's not going to be tokenism as I'm the only female, you know, I was really challenging them on that because they sort of pursued me. I said, I don't have the experience of that particular industry. And he said, Michelle, to be honest, I sit on eight boards and I didn't have the experience on any one of these industries. He said, but that's why I add value. So it was fabulous to hear a, a man of his stature and, you know, like his ability and experience Talk about that so openly and honestly, which was a beautiful thing. So it gave me the confidence to go, okay, now I'm here because of my everything else I bring in all the other 25 years of experience, not in that particular industry, but he sees value in that. And so how do we help that in sport? Because, you know, I completely agree with you. We've got so much work to do in this space.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's first of all, a recognition that there is value from diverse viewpoints and really understanding who the customer is and why it's necessary that we actually understand the perspectives of everybody within a sport so let's face it the true version of this whole what would you know you'd have to say okay well then it then only players only former players could be either commentating or you know chairing the board or being on the board." That's right. and, and we know that they don't have those skills right that you know what what would that look like so you know for women on sports sports and particularly male sports codes, one of the things that's quite important, and particularly for a game like rugby league, is that you know mothers make decisions. So when you understand who makes a decision as to where you know where a child's first sport is, it's actually mum. And dads might want their child to go off and play a particular sport, but you know the mother will prevent that happening if the mother thinks it's not safe or the mother, you know we know that that's true. And so actually understanding what mums are worried about, given that you have a huge participation challenge with more sports being competitive for young children and at schools. So, you know, we've got AFL coming into schools now. We've got cricket in there. We've got soccer for both boys and girls. I chain at Ball Australia now. We think about, we have to think about all of these things. So, you know, for rugby league, if they don't understand what the women are thinking, who are key decision makers, then they're going to miss out. And so you've got to have strong female voices around the table to say, hang on a minute, you're not looking at it through the right lens here. And so I think it's first of all, having leadership that, that understands why you need the perspectives you need, and then finding the right people and bringing them onto the board table, because you only need one ex-player.
0: It's true. It's almost like That case of where I played high-level netball, ironically, you and I have never talked about that. But a lot of coaches were never great at the game. either you can teach or you can play it's very rare to have someone that can do both and that's you know because you need a different skill set um i want to ask you though about netball australia so in the reverse i kind of know the answer of one but do you have any male uh, members on your board and have you ever been asked and challenged by the media you know in the same way do they ask well couldn't you play the sport you know and what's your answer to those questions if the uh, media were attacking you in that regard
1: So yes, we have men on our board, which is, you know, fantastic. And in fact, we've got, you know, 50-50. So it's just, it's wonderful. And the input of those men is extremely valuable. So yeah, I mean, I've got a fantastically diverse board. I was very fortunate because I was involved in the selection process and, uh, I'm really, really pleased. And they I was on the board of Netball Australia actually years and years ago. So before rugby league, I, that was my first sports board. I wasn't the chair then. I was the director. But there were times when it was only women. And all women, so diversity is important either way. With regards to your question about I'm not a netballer, I didn't play, um, in fact, I'm not sporty. That's probably the first thing I should say to you, I'm not sporty. So I didn't play club sport as a child or anything. I never played, you know, sport because you have to in PE at school. And so, you know, I played netball because you play all the different sports. Nobody, that hasn't been an issue.
0: Fascinating, isn't it?
1: However, I wonder if, you know, if we had a male chair, I wonder if that would be an issue you know there are some elements of media and I guess social media does this where there are you know journalists or people that report on netball that are more fans I guess than than trained journalists when they saw how many men were on the netball australia board there are lots of people saying you know why have we got men on the board they're taking the roles of women what's going on this is outrageous and what would they know right so I think unfortunately We're afraid of difference, I think. I think that's what it is. I don't know know why it happens. We've got to get over ourselves. And we just have to change the way we think about leadership, I think. That's probably the essence of what we're talking about. It shouldn't be gendered. It should be about making sure that you have the right toolkit to be able to ensure the right decisions are made. And the right toolkit for any board or any form of leadership is – diversity that actually matches or mirrors, I guess, your customer and your product area. So, you know, who do you need? Who do you need around the board table to be able to ensure that you understand, you know, your customers, you understand your product, you understand the competitive forces, you know, the financial challenges. And as long as you get the right perspective, you know, I'm on the board of a car dealership company. Nobody says to me, you know, you've never built an an Audi. Mechanic, like, yeah. You're not a mechanic. Yeah. Like, you know, like nobody says that. So in in the business world, I sit on a lot of boards that are new sectors to me. You know, I sit on the board of Energy Australia. They're not asking me. You know, if I've ever worked in a power station. The value that I bring is the value of my experience that is different to the other people around the board table. And so, actually, coming from outside the sector is valuable to them. Having people around the board table that can see things from the outside looking in. And that's the value that I know that I bring to sport. And I actually believe it's the value that I brought to rugby league and the board at the time. And, you know, my, my club was wonderful and, you know, the board experience was fantastic. It was more the industry experience that was
0: really confronting. Mm-hmm. So let's come full circle on that then because, like, some beautiful insights there and there's so many things we could dig on, pull little threads. But what is the thing that needs to change then? Because I think, you know, we're, we absolutely both agree on There needs to be change, the fact that people need to be looking at sporting codes as a business. So therefore, like your whole premise is to say we need more females in leadership in male sports, like to try and change some of the behaviour. What has to happen there in your mind?
1: Look, the only thing that can happen is for there to be targets or quotas. It's the only thing that can change. It's exactly the same conversation that people are having in politics. It's exactly the same conversation in male sports codes and look, when I joined the board of a rugby league club, there was, in effect, a kind of a quota system back then. So, you know, they had a new CEO who had come in from a different background. He'd come from a banking background, apparently arrived at the NRL and just went, where are all the women? And then tried to implement something where every board had to have an independent director and a female director. And they tried to incentivize clubs to do that. Most of the clubs saw that as a good thing and took that up. But there were some clubs who just refused to do it. And those clubs, unfortunately, were therefore doing their very best to make sure that women were not going to be successful. Because the worst thing for someone who says we don't need this is for someone like me to be successful, right? Enforced on.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Because then, you know, they certainly don't want an example. So that has to be enforced. And I think the problem is that there was a real kind of reluctance to enforce that because... There's still a lot of kind of power structures that need to be broken down in sports like that. The old guard runs the sport. You know, all those things that you instinctively believe to be true. They're really true. But there needs to be some courage, I think, from the leadership of those sorts of sports to say, look, we insist that this happen. I mean, the AFL is a great example, right? So the AFL, there is obviously support for that notion and the grand final is going to be played by two teams with female chairs. Last year's grand final winner had a female chair. I mean, it's so fantastic. It's so exciting. There are three. And of course, in that sport, because there has been great support for that, in fact, those women sit on full independent boards. And that's probably where the structure would need to be around the board table for women to have that support. So much needs to change. But I think A starting point would be quotas, because unless you have that, you're relying on people to do the right thing.
0: What's your argument then? Again, I mean, because we always talk about quotas in boards. What's your argument, you know, the affirmative for that?
1: Why should we have quotas? Oh, well, for a start, there are already quotas. You know, there have been quotas
0: on boards forever and they've just favoured men. But a lot of people oppose it, don't they? Because they think it's like, you know, we'll have substandard and it's tokenism and all those things. Um, I'm exactly the same. I've always believed in quotas because as I said, I've been sitting on boards for 25 years and this is not changing. Like in boards, I sit on, I'm the only female. So uh, it's not changing fast enough.
1: No. And I think we've had quotas in other sectors for long enough now to know that the end result is a better quality board because instead of only looking at 50% of the workforce in terms of all the, you know, available candidates. You're looking at 100%. So there are lots of people who get through onto these boards who should never be near a board. And they just happen to, you know, in my experience, they're men. So the argument about poor calibre women making it onto boards is just not my experience.
0: I would completely agree
1: with you. We have you. to jump so many hurdles just to be accepted. So by the time women are on these boards, you know you're just outstanding a there are so so many women because you have to be in order to be kind of deemed acceptable so merit means different things if you're a man or you're a woman and so the whole merit argument for me is out the window because as soon as you see somebody who should not be on a board and they're there because they are part of a network or they are part of a male quota system then you know that whatever the current system is isn't working so Surely trying something different is going to improve the outcome and even for that reason should be tried. Like for that reason alone, you think you want to improve.
0: Yeah, and on that note, I think that's a beautiful thing to finish on. So <laughs> it's just such a fabulous conversation and thank you for your honesty and just some insights there, Marina. I think that's really helpful to people and, you know, let's hope that we can uh, make some changes in this space. But I think the real takeaway for me is if these clubs start to treat their clubs like a business and being more professional and bringing independent directors around the board, that that will make a massive shift we'll start to see some of these other, other things move as well, I imagine. Agree. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been fabulous to talk on this topic with you today. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabi seriescom If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode or maybe even rate, review and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of wabi-sabi and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.